if you can give us data in real time, just get rid of the spreadsheet right now. If you can't, if you still need the spreadsheet, at least we can eliminate all the rekeying. Welcome back. And if this is your first time, I'm delighted you found us. Matthew Grant here, but only briefly this week with Robin Mertens in the chair today talking to Dave Connors, founder of Distribite. Spreadsheets, Marmite, and these scooters, what do they have in common? Well, they're all one of those things you probably either love or hate. Marmite, by the way, for our American friends, is a dark, black, yeasty spread that tastes, well, I think, a lot better than it sounds. And yes, if you're in Australia, it's Vegemite. Personally, I'm all in favor of spreadsheets, but only up to a point. They were designed as a tool, not as a data source or a format. Well, you can enjoy this one. As usual, Robin brings his own point of view to the discussion, but Dave and his team at Distribine are the heroes of this story. Someone else has been building a business the old-fashioned way with a product, clients, and revenue. Now, if you don't speak insurance, don't worry. I'll be jumping in to unpick those tricky acronyms. You're going to hear about Bordero. Those are reports provided by MGAs back to their insurance capacity providers about business that has been underwritten and losses. And a cover holder is an MGA licensed in Lloyd. Okay, that's enough for me. Here's Robin and Dave. So, Dave, you're the founder and the CEO of Distribind. You always carry this strap line. I see everything you do is curing the industry of its spreadsheet addiction. What is it you've got against spreadsheets? Is it the misused as data transferers rather than what they were intended for as sort of analyzing? Yeah, exactly that. I think particularly in the insurance industry, there seems to be some idea that the spreadsheet can somehow be a controlled document, almost like a database, but it's obviously not. You can't control even headers. So the idea that the spreadsheet can be some keeper of a format or a standard is really nonsensical. And then the idea that it's an efficient mechanism for exchanging data. Yeah, at a time, it was perhaps better than actually writing it down on paper, like an original Bordereau was. But it's not necessary today, and it really is holding the industry back. I've had a downer on spreadsheets for a decade or more. So you've been in the insurance industry quite a long time, must have sort of picked up some personal experiences. What's your career to date? Yeah, so I've worked in the insurance industry for about 20 years. It's almost 50-50 really between being on what might be termed the business side, insurance technician, handling some underwriting, some claims, and then working for vendors in business analysis and functional design and innovation, almost all delegated authority or outwards reinsurance. So a lot of spreadsheets. So you've been dealing with spreadsheets and you've seen spreadsheet nightmares over the years. Have you got any sort of particular examples of things that were sort of a tipping point for you? When I was working for a company that had sort of taken over the management of a broker that had gone into administration, one of their cover holders was, you know, they were due a big profit commission. So we had to go do reconciling all these old Bordero, reconciling that to the Lloyd signings, what had actually been processed, what hadn't. And at one point we said, yeah, he's a profit commissioner is like 1.4 million euros and they were obviously delighted and my company was delighted because they were on a percentage of that and I was delighted because I was on a percentage of that and then as we looked into it more we realized that you know there was this 1 million euro return premium that no one could explain and it turned out to be the million of that profit commission had already been paid and no one had known no one had any visibility of it. I hope you didn't go out and spend 
your received <laughs> profit commission share sometime in the middle. You didn't, did you? Only mentally. Any others? Your career must be full of these sort of stories. Yeah, I'm so the one that stands out was I actually came back to the office one day after lunch and I'd been in the pub, unsurprisingly. And my boss calls me over and says, hey, look, someone's made a complaint about us to Lloyd's because we're not handling this claim. And I was like, okay, what claim is it? And he said the name, I never heard that name before, and went through all the files that we had, everything, and was like, we have literally never seen this. And it turned out, you know, the DPA was just sending these files to the old broker. It was the same account, and it was going to this old broker address. Nobody was looking at it. Some poor guy died in a nightclub fire, and obviously his family weren't very happy, but we'd never seen it before. And it was all those kinds of things that led me to, to DistroBind, really. Yeah. You're with DistroBind. Was there a single moment? Was there a eureka moment? Or did this sp- the spreadsheets grind you down over time? It was just the feeling that the problem definitely hadn't gone away. Uh, I didn't think it was even being approached from the right angle. Ten years ago, I would not have said I was particularly entrepreneurial. I was ambitious, but not entrepreneurial. But I just reached a point where I felt I could, if I tried and failed, I could live with myself. If I didn't try and someone else came along and done it and made a fortune, uh, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I had to do it. I just felt, I felt that I had an insight from having experience on both sides of the coin of the actual business and the technology that I could just come at it from a different angle that I felt was the right one. I share a little bit of that in the sense that things you have this clear idea of how they could be done better. You, you don't necessarily think it's your job to do it. And then bit by bit, you think, well, no one else is going to do it. And maybe I should be giving it a go. And sometimes you just need a push, don't you? You just need... So look, you said, um, you know, nobody's doing it right. It's the right way to do it. Presumably that distribind is your your perception of how this should be done, how we get off these spreadsheets forever. Yeah, so, I mean, for you as well as that, there isn't going to be a big bang. It's difficult to move these things that are entrenched. But what we try to do is make sure that we can eliminate them today when there's no technical debt. So we, we have value chains that we're processing today with no spreadsheets involved whatsoever. But we've also worked very hard on our tool to make sure that it can handle spreadsheets very elegantly and without any kind of manual pre-processing where spreadsheets have to stay within the value chains that we're processing today there is no manual touch point for the data coming into our system no pre-processing the spreadsheet so i think that's how we do it it's you give incremental benefit to motivate change and transformational benefit to big change and you don't mandate it must be this and it must be that. You just help everyone at every stage in every way. So it's a sort of evolutionary chain and you can stay where you are and do it slightly better or you can start to evolve into being a grown-up. So in the fully evolved version where there are no spreadsheets, how is data getting from system to another system? API in real time. So as soon as it's keyed into the one system, it is coming to us real time. API. You build a bit in the middle. What do you have to do? Are you just an integration or do you have to do anything with the data? Yeah, so it depends slightly, but if effectively we have a validation engine, so it will make sure any data that comes into us, um, all the mandatory data that the capacity provider or whoever has asked for is there, that it's within the terms of the authority agreements. We have a reconciliation engine to reconcile premium to risk and cash to premium advice, claims verification. So it's doing the validation and then it can provide 
analytics around that as well. Look, I'm persuaded because I share your mission for eliminating spreadsheets. Uh, does the industry, uh, how are you getting on? Have you got good traction? Of, are the patients ready to be cured? Yeah, it was a very difficult early part to the business. I've worked before in established companies with an annual release product and nobody wanted this year's version until they knew somebody else was using it. So when you come along with something brand new and say, hey, no one's using it yet, it's a hard slog to get someone to put their hand up and be the first. We were very lucky that we had two companies at the same time, an MGA called Coral and Liberty, which is the big one that we announced previously, both be the first at the same time. And then we've grown from that now. So we have about six paying clients in various stages of implementation and production and another three paid pilot clients that we're in contractual negotiations with. Well done. And how big is the company these days? How many people have you got? Are you raising money? Have you raised money? Give us an idea of that. Previously, we've raised angel funding. To date, our total funding is under half a million of cash or maybe a little more with some grant funding that we took. We Everything in the last sort of six months, we've grown from six people to 14 people FTE today, plus one contractor and two outsource. That's what grown through revenue in the last sort of six to eight months. And so we're very pleased with that, but we are looking now to raise two million seed round. When's that going to be? We'll give you a helping hand. Hoping to close end of Q2, early Q3 at the latest. I think we're reasonably fortunate as we're actually cash flow positive at the moment, but we want to raise to accelerate the growth. A startup of our times, someone who actually understands the need to be cash positive at some point. Well done to you. It's a good story. Thank you. Just to go back and, and just examine the industry a bit more, I reckon we were first looking at how to get off spreadsheets 20 years ago. It's gathered momentum in the last 10 years. People like me who are much better at being a pundit and telling everybody what to do rather than actually doing it myself. I don't understand what the problem is. But what is it a cultural problem with this sort of this addiction to spreadsheets? I think it is cultural. I think there's also not really been a compelling reason to get off it. People who've followed me on LinkedIn will know I don't have a problem antagonizing Lloyds, even though I'm sat in their building right now. I think the kind of committee-led solutions where it's saying everyone's going to have to do this has been part of the problem. I think you do need something that, like I talked about earlier, if you can give us data in real time, just get rid of the spreadsheet right now. If you can't, if you still need the spreadsheet, at least we can eliminate all the rekeying. And I think there's never been any solution who can do that, who can say, we can give you a brilliant endpoint today and even if you're not quite ready, we can clear out a lot of the rekeying. The 5.2, the CDR, they haven't got close to doing that. And I don't think they will because they're just, committee design is never going to work. Okay, time to grab some of these acronyms. First of all, TPA, third-party administrators. Those are the companies that manage claims and other back-end stuff for insurers. CDR, well, a tricky one, that's a Lloyd's term. It's the core data record, all the critical information recorded and shared when a risk is written. Hmm, V5.2, that stumped me. Turns out it's the Lloyd's standard for cover holders. And then you've got FTE coming up soon, full-time employees, and UAT, user acceptance testing. Okay, that's enough. Let's get back to Robin. Do you need standards for this stuff, or do you just put the right tech in the middle that's smart enough to work out what's come and what needs to be delivered? Idea right from the beginning has been that a common data standard is not necessary. It's not sufficient. It actually adds friction. 
So we talked, for example, about what we're doing with Liberty in the Netherlands. All the data comes into us in a particular standard that they use market-wide in the Netherlands, and we transform it with no rekeying into the standard that Liberty want, which is actually the Lloyds V52 for their own internal purposes. But they haven't got to go and beat their Netherlands cover holders over the head and say, no, don't send us it like that, send us this spreadsheet. What value is there in that conversation? So to me, standards, they're not completely without value, but they're, they become a problem if they are the be-all and end-all. And if you don't have the flexibility to translate and transform across standards. Tell me about Liberty, because it's not just Liberty, the Netherlands, is it? They were your first and biggest customer. And what do you do with them now? How are you getting on? Yeah, so we're rolling out the Liberty Europe across, I think, six countries. We've got the Netherlands is live now, and we're still rolling out some additional cover holders. In the Netherlands, we're in the final uh, phase of UAT to put their French cover holders live. Then I think we move on to Italy Germany, Switzerland over the rest of this year. So we're expecting, I think, to have something like 16 to 20 cover holders for Liberty Live across Europe by the end of this year. We're obviously hopeful of also extending that relationship to other parts of the business as well. It's a good client to have. Any other big customers that you could talk about? Yes, yeah, so the biggest after Liberty would be Allianz. We started working with them last year on a particular binder and a particular class of business, so financial lines, business written out of London. We've agreed to roll out with them now to all lines of business written out of London, which is a big thing for us. It's always great to get have any customer, and then when they show enough confidence in you to extend that relationship, it's always a great thing. And we're hopeful of deepening that relationship even further. There are two biggest carrier customers at the moment, and we have a few smaller carriers as well. I have to say, you aim big. That's two big insurance companies right there, and I can't think of a better way to go get validation it's actually worked out the opposite way than we expected i think we potentially pick up mgas just because their procurement cycles are likely to be quicker they might be a bit more nimble and that if we had a mess of mgas that carriers would get interested it's kind of been the opposite and i guess the reason for that is that you know an mga might have capacity providers whereas a carrier has a lot of MGAs and therefore the scale of the problem is bigger there. And that has a few good and bad things for us as a startup. Obviously, the contracts we can sign with large carriers are bigger value, but the sales cycle and the procurement is much longer. And luckily, I'd lost most of my hair before I started, otherwise it would be gone anyway, I think. You talked a bit earlier about the evolutionary path that you provide. Just to give us an example of somebody who's using it in the fully evolved method, in, in other words, API to API, have you got somebody doing that on the roster? Yes, yeah, so that would be Autonomy, who are an MGA, the right parametric cargo. They were also a fellow Lloyd's Lab alumni, a different cohort to us, met them last year. So there, they, they will enter into their system. It will come into us in real time via the API. Again, we're then transforming it from that standard into or that format to V5.2, so they can go out to their capacity provider. Did you meet them at the lab? And perhaps a broader question, was the lab really transformational for you? Did, that, did it really give you a push in the right direction? Yeah, answering the first question first, we met them last year. I was asked to speak about our experience in the lab to that cohort, and Jan, their CEO, came up to me after. And when we spoke, it came quite clear very quickly to both of us, I think that there was a good scope for collaboration. 
down the line. I think generally Lloyd's Lab, it was a strange thing in the sense that most of the business that we picked up after first was non-Lloyd's. But I think the mere fact that we were in the Lloyd's Lab, one, it gave us a big shot of publicity and we were seen by some things that we might not have been seen otherwise. But it's also just a massive stamp of credibility. And I think that worked not only for potential customers, I think it worked for some of our investors to say, hey, uh, let's keep the faith a bit longer. We might not be here had we not select, been selected for the lab. It was around that time we started picking up Coral and Liberty, but everything that we did in the lab was really, yeah, definitely transformational for us. Good story. I think that's, you're not the only one who says the similar things. So what gets you now? A pretty impressive stuff. What lies ahead? I mean, sort of two things, particularly... Are you get first? Are you going to stick to your knitting? I like about Distribind is that you pick one problem and you're solving that one problem. Are you still laser focused on that one problem, or are you looking further afield? We're laser focused still on that. I think we will potentially expand. I think we see a similar problems in the captive market, for example. They have very similar distribution model, very similar reliance on Bordero and spreadsheets. So we feel that we can look there. But I think certainly the delegated authority market is very big. We're only scratching the surface of it now. Our main strategic goal for this year is to expand our presence further in the U.S. We have a couple clients, a few prospects. We want to have staff in the U.S. by the end of the year. And that's our kind of main focus, certainly, over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. You mentioned earlier some fundraising Q2. What are you going to spend that money on? Just getting bigger? Have you got some technology still to build? Yeah, I mean, the product is built to the extent it's live, it's in production, it works can to end full life cycle. There are things we want to expand. We particularly want to expand some of our use cases, machine learning. So we use machine learning at the moment to do a prediction around capacity utilization. So carriers can use it for portfolio management, look at the MGAs and say, you know, how much are they going to write? How much are they going to write? We want to want to extend that around anomaly detection improving the ingestion even further, but it is largely for expansion and growth. I mean, I mentioned we're cash flow positive, but that's, you know, that is with our current staff and we want to grow further. Also, if we splash out on conferences and things, then that has an effect as well. So it's about making sure that we have the security to keep our foot on the accelerator. I think we have a chance to really be the default solution in this space and we don't want to step back and let anyone catch up cash flow positive even though we stung you for a, a membership fee this year thank you for that little cash that you have left over spending some of it with us as for it's gratefully received you're welcome i mean from my side we've got you and matthew had been big supporters of us over the previous years when we weren't members and so when we had a chance to do something it felt like the right thing you've continued to be supportive of us and even the other week when we up on the stage for two minutes we got a lot of interest out of that so i think it's important for, it's a very important forum for us someone else yesterday to send your day your way so i'm i hope your membership fees are being well spent so last will your mission ever be done can we imagine a time one day when data is seamlessly moving api to api bit of validation in the middle and we no longer worry about spreadsheets for data migration it won't be overnight and it may not be ever that they're completely eliminated i mean sure there are mainframes in use older than both of us but you could they aren't the main things anymore so will they go completely i'm sure no but i think we can certainly remove the reliance on them i think insure tech and the mgas is a big 
part of that, if you look at like our relationship with autonomy and there will be others like that, they don't want to have back office staff creating spreadsheets. So the capacity providers will need tools like DistroMind to be that single point of integration to get the data to them. Embedded insurance will be exactly the same. You can have high volume, low value premium being thrown around on a spreadsheet. So I think there, there are different parts of the industry where it will move quicker. It's not going to be overnight, but over the next you know, 10, 15, 20 years, the, I think the addiction will go, what we call the addiction, the absolute reliance in all circumstances and even preference for the data to come in via spreadsheet. I think we can see progress there. Well, I wish you luck with it. I think it's a great mission. I think you're doing a really good job with it. I like the way that you've moved at the right pace without ever extending yourself despite the massive opportunity. And good luck with the fundraising, and we'll see you at the next Instech event. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Really appreciate the chance. I've been shaving my head for two years, so someone would call me the Joe Rogan of InsureTech. So maybe this will make it. That's the title right there. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we're certainly getting popular with the InStep podcast over a quarter of a million downloads, but I don't think we'll be challenging Joe Rogan just yet. But we're delighted to have Dave and Distrobind as members, and it's been a pleasure to see the company grow over the last few years. Now, you can come and find out what we're up to at Instec, either at one of our regular breakfast or evening events if you're in London, or find out what we're writing about each day at www.instec.co. If you're not a member or part of our global community, then drop us a line, hello at instec.co, or find us on LinkedIn to learn more. Details in the episode notes, Matthew Grant or Robin Mertens. That's it. We're done.